Good morning. You're listening to Radio Hofsch University, 88.7 FM, WRHU, broadcasting live from the Richard Philip Cavalera Studio South. Welcome to the Thursday edition of Hofstra's Morning Wake Up Call, the best edition of Hofstra's Morning Wake Up Call, where we're talking Long Island life, national news, and international issues. I'm your producer, Danny DiGrisenzo, joined as always by Becca Williams, and we will soon be joined by our specialty music reporter, reporter Emma Gardenstein, Today we'll be discussing what Republicans apparently want, a very particular Republican, and what singles are looking for this dating season. Becca, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing fantastic. I'm so glad to be on air. Um, actually, last night we had our uh, little meeting for all of our morning wake-up call friends, and it made me a little sad because uh, I'm going to be leaving soon don't cry on air already i'm not i'm not crying that was a laugh don't get scared um got a little choked up i'm (laughs) i'm leaving soon so it was a sad it was sad but it was also really good to see everybody in person i just love our morning wake-up call crew oh we have such a good crew yeah we do we have the motley crew to quote post malone but i was actually a little sad yesterday too because sean mendez oh my god and camila cabello (laughs) broke up stop i'm not okay I am Let not okay. the relationship go. Honestly, as I said, when Danny first brought this up to me, I don't think they were good together. I'm not How sad they're you? broken up. How dare you? They were cringy. Senorita. No. Senorita is just a, that is a song of the summer if I've ever heard one. <laughs> also, I did celebrate Disney Plus Day. I watched Enchanted. Yes. It How was, was it? Immaculate. Danny's I favorite su- movie ever. No, see, I had such a good day. It was Friday. Uh-huh. I woke up early. I just hung out. I did um, hosted the ba- I was on the baseline, my the college basketball show here at WRHU yes. that I'm an associate producer for. Then Quick I went plug. right to the Long Island Nets game. Mm-hmm. They lost, but then <laughs> I came back to my dorm and I watched Enchanted. So sounds like a pretty good Friday. Yeah, that is yeah. a pretty good Friday. Maybe I'll watch Enchanted tonight. You should because it's such a good movie. It is a good movie. Yeah, and everyone's like, "Bro, why do you like Enchanted so much?" I'm like, "Uh, Amy Adams, James Marsden." <laughs> <laughs> one of those few Disney songs where every song is a banger. I there like are the, literally I like the squirrel. Yeah, Chip. There are no <laughs> there are no skips. There are no skips in that in that movie soundtrack. I wanna I wanna like go back and do a count of how many times you've brought up Enchanted. Oh, on we will because it's been a lot of times. For our last show, I'm gonna we're gonna go in the the archives and pick out our favorite moments. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't wait. Everybody better tune in for yeah. that. It's gonna be pretty funny. I can't wait to pick out the moment when we talked about the Looney Tunes. Oh wait, that was the show you didn't show up for. Danny, uh, <laughs> Danny's been pestering me about this literally all morning. There was one time where my alarm didn't go off and I couldn't come in, and I literally texted him crying. I was crying in my bed because I didn't make the show. And ever since then, Danny has been making me feel bad about it every day just, of my life. We're just, we're just having a little. <laughs> I'm just joshing you. <laughs> I'm just joshing you. No, don't let him fool you. He's a full-on bully. All right, whatever. <laughs> Let's get into the show. So our top story today, if you want a particular and peculiar measurement of how severely Republicans hate Joe Biden in the current State of the Union, do we have a survey for you? In a recent survey by the Public Policy Research Institute, only 29% of registered Republicans believe American society has changed for the better since the 50s. Last year, under President Trump, well, two years ago now, I guess, that number was 46%. But 
but 29% nearly matches the total that was recorded during Obama's final year in 2016. What a great year, honestly. The 50s, of course, are famous for being a decade of economic prosperity, but also racial segregation, misogynistic social attitudes, among other socially conservative norms that are dated compared to today's America. So, first of all, this is just laughable. The 71% of people <laughs> who actually think the 50s were a better time ridiculous we love to romanticize the 50s i mean i'll hey i love greece as much as the next guy all right greece is pretty fire i know right danny zuko but the <laughs> fact of the matter is that for most people it was awful if we still operated like it was the 50s you probably wouldn't be sitting next to me honestly yeah yeah I probably wouldn't and that's what like just angers me so much i was reading this uh this story that danny put in and i know danny said it was laughable but for me it's like anger inducing yeah. because i i read stuff like that and maybe these people are i mean i don't feel like they understand the full weight of them saying that because they're most likely men or people that would have been fine in the 50s obviously if they're saying that they prefer that so i don't white think they, men white men yeah, yeah yeah um but for me it's just like you're actively admitting to me that you don't think I'm worthy of being on the same level as you and exactly. that you preferred it better that way. So, oh my gosh, this just makes me really angry. Yeah. It's too early in the morning for me to be annoyed by people already. Well, I'll take me. up the I'll take up the sword and shield for you, Becca, because <laughs> here's what we also wouldn't have if we still operated like it was the 50s. We still have we still have segregation. We still have mm -hmm. um LGBT LGBT LGBTQ plus people would still have no place to freely express their sexuality. They couldn't get married, et cetera, et cetera. Lead would still be in gasoline. Did you know this? Yum. Yeah. Tetraethyl lead would still be in gasoline. Thomas Midgley Jr. did more to destroy our atmosphere than any other human person. Look him up. Thomas Midgley Jr. There'd be no Medicare, no Medicaid, no abortion, internet, smartphones, environmental regulations, legal marijuana, affirmative action, enchanted. The list, <laughs> the list goes on and on and on. Unless you were a male wasp who was middle class, at least, things probably weren't so rosy for you in the 50s. And I'm willing to bet a lot of these people who said the 50s were better were old white men. I mean, that's what I just said, but I mean, yeah. just think, we can't, there is so much that has happened since the 50s, I don't think people really understand, right? Mm -hmm. Like, for example, being the American dollar being taken off the gold standard in 1971 by President Nixon, right? People don't really, register that the fact that that happened is why is partially why america hates a lot of countries in the middle east because they won't set their oil prices to the american dollar which is called the petrodollar do you know how vastly that shapes the world economy so we talk about the social issues but people also don't understand the economic issues that they want to say oh is the you know higher standard of living any society in uh, mm -hmm. world history that doesn't mean anything if the social and economic stuff doesn't hold up by today's standards yeah, we've definitely progressed so much since the 1950s. I don't know why anyone would think that that is the best time to go back to or something that we something that is like better than today because I feel like even though I'm not saying the world is perfect today and I'm not saying that all of our problems are fixed, but even just the idea of like the Black Lives Matter movement has been so prevalent uh, I mean, last summer, but also this year as well. And I feel like that's just really showing a little bit of progress in our society. More people are behind that, supporting it. And I, I mean, I'm pretty happy in 2021. And 
<laughs> women's lib, Betty yes. Friedan, like all mm-hmm. that stuff. We wouldn't have that in today's yeah. society. So people, I don't, I think people just look at this and they're like, oh, they look, oh, it's Eisenhower, the fifties, you know, but like the, I guess they're like, oh, like, you know, there was no partisanship, you know, there was no division. That's true. There was pretty, there was pretty good, um, bipartisanship in the fifties, but that doesn't mean that everything was great. Yeah. There were still bad things. There were, st- there were more bad things than good. Let me say, I'll go on and say, <laughs> I mean, I wasn't alive in the fifties, so and Danny wasn't either, in case anyone was confused about that. Gasp, <laughs> we gasp. Were... <laughs> you didn't have to spoil that. <laughs> Neither of us were alive in the 50s. So maybe these people, maybe some of these people are like thinking back to when they were like children. If they're like older filling exactly. out the survey, they're thinking about like their childhood memories. And you know, when you're a child, you remember everything a lot differently than how it actually was. Like, at least I do. I remember my childhood with like rose colored glasses on, kind of, mm. you know? So. I mean, maybe that plays a part in it as well, but I I don't understand the appeal of like the fifties. Even the whole fifties aesthetic with like the like the poodle skirts and like the like the drive-in movies. Even though drive-in movies are still a thing today, but like it's romanticized. All of that sort of stuff. I just never got that whole like aesthetic. Yeah, it's romanticized and dare I say even fetishized as this peak Americana. But yeah, that's not. Just because of it looks all cool doesn't mean it was the best time to be alive. There, I mean, maybe for some people it was. Yeah, well, maybe for some <laughs> people it was, but that just but just because some people are above you in the totem pole doesn't mean you should want to hark back to that time. You should want a time in society in history where everyone can be on equal footing, Ec- an equitable society. That's what you'd want. But Danny, we're on the same page here, bro. Yeah, I know. You're preaching to the choir. I'm on my, we're on our soapboxes at 8, 11 a.m. <laughs> no, but I just, I mean, I think, and also, as I mentioned, when they did the survey when Obama was heading out, um, it was the similar number. So I think we have to also take this with a grain of salt because clearly, pun intended, some people are salty <laughs> that a Democrat is in the office of president. So again, yeah. this is probably cyclical. The fact that this the number was almost 50% when Trump was in office Clearly, there's a good minority of the respondents who are just who see, who see the world through who's running the country right now, mm. which isn't a really good way to look at things. Because a lot of because as much as we like to think that the parties are different, the American government is ripe is rife with continuity between administrations. You know, so, I yeah. wish that we could grant these people's wishes and throw them in a time machine, put them back to the 50s and not have to yeah. deal with them anymore. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. If only we had time travel. See, then we would all be happy, I think. Yeah, everyone can just go to the time they want to go to. You know, yeah. what a time to be alive would just take on a whole, whole new meaning. <laughs> I think that's next. Right now we've got, what, like self-driving cars and... My brother was in a self-driving car the other day. Really? He said it was cool. Was he in the driver's seat? He was in the passenger seat. I would be scared to be in a self-driving car, I think. He I don't kept, know if I would trust it that much to like not want to drive it myself. He kept texting selfies in the family group chat and he was going in a <laughs> self-driving car. Wait, so there was just, was there a person in the driver's seat or there was no yeah, one Yeah, there was the a person in the driver's seat. He was with his friend. But they were just weren't touching the steering yeah. wheel or anything? That's my, so My scary. brother has such rich friends. It's crazy. <laughs> All of his friends live in really wealthy neighborhoods and they have self-driving cars. We got invited. I told you we went to the Trump Country Club because of my yeah. brother's friend who is a member there. Yes. 
that's crazy yeah so wait so his friend like owns the his friend's park? father well his yeah his friend's yeah. parents wow yeah. i thought you meant like he like rented it or no. like got my, brother, my brother's, my brother's 14 <laughs> okay, he's the baby of the know. family <laughs> no not he can't drive yet the middle my middle brother tristan i mean he i don't know if he would think it would be cool okay but Maybe. can you be in the driver's seat of a self-driving car if you're see i don't 14 because so. you're not driving i don't think so we're gonna have to double check that but you're not driving we're gonna double check that <laughs> during during my package with corin anderson professor of communication studies at colorado state university and author of several books about gender and politics we talked about women in politics to keep things nice. political and this interview was so good it was like 18 minutes i had to cut it down to only 12 for air so i'm kind of kind of disappointed about that but maybe i'll put the full interview out there someday and fun fact my mother's name is corinne not corin corinne so that kind of made me think of my mom hi mom Aww. um <laughs> no she uh Corin Anderson was great, very, very intelligent, very, very articulate. And um, there were some good topical things. We especially talked about communication when it comes to women in politics, because that's kind of her forte. Mm -hmm. So I think um, we'll see. You're a woman. Are you excited to listen I, to this? I am a woman <laughs> and I am excited. <laughs> <laughs> all right, good. No, all right. It actually sounds really interesting. So I'm glad that you were able to interview her. Yeah. I'm pumped. Yeah. Last minute thing, but it worked out. So. For 12 minutes and 38 seconds, brace yourselves, folks. Put your seatbelts on. <laughs> keep your hands and feet inside the vehicle at all times. Here's Corin Anderson. I'm Danny DiCrescenzo here with Corin Anderson, professor of communication studies at Colorado State University and author of several books about gender and politics. Today, we will be discussing women in politics. Professor Anderson, it is lovely to have you with me. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me, Daniel. Given the tumultuousness of American politics during the Trump era, how has the status of women in politics changed over the last five years specifically? Well, I think there's been an increased expectation that women will be at the table in all levels of government. Um, Biden famously uh, made a pledge very early in his presidential bid that he would choose a woman as his vice president if he was the nominee. Um, we also see women's roles as party organizers, which women have always really been kind of the workhorses in political parties, but they didn't, their work wasn't often recognized. Um, but we see that with the prominence of somebody like Stacey Abrams, that that, that work is getting recognized um, more prominently as well. Um, so, you know, women are, are getting real clout in the political system. But when we talk about women's roles in politics, it's important to recognize that women aren't a monolith. Um, so conservative white women's votes uh, helped to elect Trump. Um, so whether, rather than talking about women as a unified group, I think we need to think about how different dimensions of women's identities intersect and that intersection shapes American politics. Absolutely. And speaking of Biden's vice president, Kamala Harris, she's the highest ranking female government official in American history. She's been marred by reports of being sidelined in the current administration, chiefly according to CNN. How large of a role do you believe her gender plays in her reported struggles to be taken seriously as vice president? So I'm going to push back a little bit on that question, Daniel, because I, I read the CNN story and there was another similar one in the LA Times. And what I would say is that the story was sort of a string of anonymous staffer comments and kind of gossipy insights, many of which contradicted one another. 
Um, so I didn't think that that report, it is very prominent, and you're correct that that's what a lot of people are talking about nationally right now, to the extent that Jen Psaki had to come out and sort of say, hey, there's no, you know, tension between these two, between our staffs or, or whatever, we're still strong supporters of, of the vice president. Um, but here's, here's what I would say about, about all of that conversation. If there are tensions, and it, it seems pretty clear that there, there are some, that's not at all unusual for this point in a new presidential administration. You know, there are typically losses that a new president sustains in the first midterm election after, after his election. Um, and that makes everybody a little bit on edge. And so I think that that, that, that you're seeing that in the White House right now has nothing to do with Harris's gender or race. It just has to do with the fact that there's often tension. I also think that we got used to a, a really collegial relationship between um, President Barack Obama when Joe Biden was his vice president. But that was sort of unusual because they were friends, you know, pretty close and, and authentic friends before the they were elected to office. Um, I think it's much more common to see a relationship that is sometimes a little bit tense um, between, you know, running mates that that didn't start out as really close friends. And I think that probably would describe Biden and Harris, that they are colleagues, that they have confidence in one another, but they probably don't share a close personal friendship. And so that could, you know, play out a little bit differently in the West Wing than what we saw between Obama and, and Biden. But the last thing that I want to say about the reports, and this is probably the most important point that I would like to make as a scholar, and that is we want to ask ourselves what reports like that are about, sort of anonymously sourced conversations about tensions in administration. Um, it's a lot easier to report on sort of gossipy news like that than it is to report on the ins and outs of the infrastructure bill or other, you know, climate policy or other sort of boring political issues that are frankly much more consequential for the American voter. Um, and when a, a news organization like CNN comes out and talks about problems in the Biden administration, it's not only a way for them to try to make the news more interesting, but it's also a way for them to try to prove that they're not favoring the Democrats in their culture, in their um, coverage. Uh, and so, you know, communication scholars who study how news framing, um, you know, shapes political coverage would be quick to point out that that sort of coverage um, is really a deflection away from what political journalism really should be about, and that's issue-based journalism to, to inform voters. Um, so I think that's, that's kind of my reaction to the CNN story and, and similar coverage that's coming out right now. So moving more towards, away from just the election side of it, more towards when a woman is in office, in your opinion, what must be done to create an inclusive and equitable environment in politics for all women, regardless of ethnicity or political affiliation? So, so many things. Um, you know, this, I think about the, when I think about this question, I think about writing my um, second book with my co-author, Christina Horn-Sheeler. We wrote about gender in the U.S. presidency, and we wanted to, as communication scholars, people kept asking us, what do we, what do women candidates have to do to be elected, you know, taken seriously as presidential candidates? Because a lot of my research focused on that. Um, and so, you know, 
my research partner and I kind of thought about it and, and looked at the research and said, what is it that women need to do communicatively to, to be received, you know, as credible presidential figures? And the more we looked at it, the more we said, you know what, the problem isn't that women candidates aren't doing the right thing. Um, women candidates are are doing all kinds of things, things that were successful, things that were different from one another, things that were similar to what male candidates were doing and different from what male candidates were doing. They really were, and they were succeeding at, at many levels of politics. The thing that was really the stopper for women at, at the level of presidential politics is social norms. And so we started to say, look, where we, where we need to see changes is not telling women politicians to do politics differently. What we need to say is to voters and especially the news media, do coverage and do civic engagement differently. Um, so one is, you know, take into account the, the uh, stereotypes that we have about gender and leadership and, and try not to say, oh, so-and-so isn't likable. You know, it's just that, oh, so-and-so is contradicting long-standing norms about gender and leadership. And we need to recognize that that might make us think that they're not likable, but really it's just revealing our own stereotypes, you know, or we might need to say to the news media, hey, stop giving us these gossipy stories about women in politics and, and tell us more about, say, you know, Elizabeth Warren's fiscal policy when she's running for, for office. So the more that we can shift journalism from sort of stories about partisanship and personality to stories about policy, the better women will do in office and the more traction I think they'll get as representatives, um, be that in U.S. Congress or governorships or the like. Have you seen that trend? This is a brief follow-up. Have you seen that trend start to occur or do you think that's something that still needs to be kick-started in modern political coverage? Well, I mean, I think one thing about the fracturing of our media landscape is that there are places where that is occurring, but you only hear about that if you tune into that type of coverage, right? So if we have, say, media organizations like ProPublica, I think they do, you know, an effort to do issue-based journalism. Uh, and so if you listen to that, as if you're a consumer of that news, then, then you'll be familiar with it. If on the other hand, all you listen to is late night cable shows, um, then all you, you know, you might be aware that, uh, you know, Representative Ocasio-Cortez is being, you know, skewered again by conservative opponents, um, but you might not know anything about the particular set of policies that she's working for in Congress. So I think it's happening in nonprofit journalism. I think it's also happening, you can sort of curate your Twitter feed carefully to, to pay attention to journalistic sources that are pushing back against partisanship and personality and polarization, right? The sort of three Ps of bad news coverage in politics, <laughs> polarization, partisanship, and, and personality. Um, and so try to curate, say, a social media feed with, um, you know, journalistic sources that are more policy-based. That can help, um, you know, change things and change the way that you understand politics. But voters, I think, do have to make an effort to seek out better sources of news, political journalism. And most voters really don't have the tools or the time to do that. And so it's hard. It's hard to break through. 
With that all being said, what would your advice be to women looking to enter politics, no matter where they stand on the political spectrum, given that they are at a disadvantage in terms of gender norms and how politics is covered by prominent news outlets? Yeah. Well, I would say first, my my first advice is run, um, because even in this current environment, the statistics show or the the rates show that when women run, women win. Um, so, you know, and really at all levels of politics, except for the U.S. presidency. So know that what happens at the level of presidential politics doesn't necessarily translate to all of the other places where women can really be successful in politics. So that's my first recommendation. Um, my second recommendation is to realize the extent to which we can have structural impact, even when we're not in office. Um, so, you know, people like Stacey Abrams, you know, doing, she, she made some real gains in, in campaign politics, but when she didn't get elected to the seat she was seeking and didn't get named um, as a vice presidential candidate, as I think she was hoping, um, she, she kind of redoubled her efforts in Georgia and, and maintained a lot of influence, perhaps even more than she would have had as a vice presidential running mate. So that's sort of my, my second piece of information or piece of um, advice. But my third piece of advice is no, women should know that they can run as authentically themselves. One of the best things about women's increased prominence in national coverage of politics is that we have a lot of really successful models of women politicians from a sort of Elizabeth Warren and Katie Porter who are kind of, you know, leaned into their wonkiness and they have their charts and graphs as they're, you know, questioning people in the Senate. Um, that's that's one model. We have Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez as, as another successful model. We've got Nikki Haley on the conservative side of the spectrum, who's, you know, doing politics in, in a very different way. So there, you know, and then we've got Kamala Harris, Stacey Abrams, right? Lots of women who sort of perform politics very differently from one another, but are equally successful and credible on the national political scene. So, so be authentic to yourself and don't worry that there's a sort of one size fits all for women or men in politics because there isn't. Again, I'm Danny DiCrescenzo joined by Corin Anderson, professor of communication studies at Colorado State University and author of several books about gender and politics. Thank you so much for joining me today, Professor Anderson. Thanks, Danny. It was my pleasure. Hofstra's morning wake-up call. Morning wake-up call. Again, special thank you to Corin Anderson for doing that interview with me. I thought it was very insightful. What did you think, Becca? I really enjoyed it. I mean, I love hearing people talk about women in politics because I, I would like to be a woman in politics. So I like hearing her talk about it. I liked a lot of the stuff she was saying, especially about she was like, um, women should run for office because the studies are showing that if women run, women win. So I don't know necessarily how how like factual that is in every case but i'll take her word for it yeah i believe her she seems like she knows what she's talking about yeah so <laughs> speaking of women in politics let's look at a man in politics who made life difficult for a specific woman in politics of course we're talking about house of Repre representative paul gosar from arizona who was in a near party line vote censured over a tweeted video of an anime scene in which he kills AOC and attacks Joe Biden. It's the first time a sitting House member 
has been censored in over a decade. And as a result of the vote, Gosar has been stripped of his committee assignments. Speaker Nancy Pelosi said in the floor speech, we cannot have a member joking about murdering each other or threatening the President of the United States. While House Minority Leader and resident fun sponge Kevin McCarthy accused the Democrats of hypocrisy over not being as strict, as strict on their own party members. And, of course, after he was censured, Gosar took the initiative and retweeted the video that got him censured. Don't look it up folks do not look it up and this is just embarrassing and i'm almost ashamed that i'm i'm an american because this is ridiculous if you did this to a co-worker in any other context any other office any other industry especially a woman because again of course sexual violence and all that you'd be fired instantly Gosar, who is a total wacko for this, honestly, he deserves no sympathy, got off light, if you ask me, it's just a shame that they, that the usual suspects of Kissinger and Cheney were the only two Republicans who actually had the decency to cross the aisle and give this guy what he deserved. Becca, any thoughts? This is actually so scary because I feel like a lot of men will make jokes or uh, comments that they don't think are threatening about being violent towards women and then obviously it's taken way more seriously than by the person that's that by, by the person that's receiving those threats so i can't even imagine how aoc is feeling i saw and read a bunch of stuff after um the capital attack about how she was feeling being stuck in there and being scared for her life and all of these like men around her so i can't imagine this is bringing up any thing good for her and it's honestly i mean i don't know what would even be going through a person's mind to think that it's a good idea and something that won't result in uh punishment or have consequences for posting something like that exactly he and i said he got off light just losing yeah. your committee assignments you're still a member of the house i mean a weekend and then for member him for to sure repost it again it's just a slop don't look face. at his twitter feed it's disgusting yeah. it's he's saying it's a partisan witch hunt Witch hunt? What are the? What are the? What are the, It's online. Yeah. Well, you you don't. Are all our parents say? Oh, watch what you post. It mm -hmm. never goes away. Yeah, it never does. Especially when you post a video of you killing a colleague and threatening the leader of the free world. That never goes away. <laughs> it's. I don't even know what to say. I mean, I watched the censor vote yesterday here in the office at WRHU, and it was. I was like, man, all those Republicans are just like, yep, this is okay. We definitely condone this type of behavior. No, it's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. It's yeah. He should have got unanimously censured, in my opinion. But, of course, our government doesn't work like that. Yeah, and then McCarthy saying that Democrats are being hypocritical because they're not as strict. But, like I said, I've never seen anyone post something like this. Exactly. You can make the case about... You know, what comments by Democratic lawmakers may have bordered on anti-Semitism, for example, during the uh, Israel-Palestine whole news craze during the summer or late last spring and over the summer and whatnot. But this is different. This is personal. Mm -hmm. This is a fellow congresswoman. It's different. It's a whole different ball game. And this yeah. is and I'm glad that Speaker Pelosi took firm action because you can't just let this sit. This is a politician. If it's a citizen, fine. 
But this is a politics. <laughs> like, no, whatever, right? It's free citizens speech. Citizens can die. No, but no, politicians. no. I'm saying, I'm saying, a if a citizen posted this, no, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, disgusting. Yeah. But it's a citizen. This mm -hmm. is a you're as a politician, you're held to a higher standard of conduct and decorum. And Gosar missed the mark by a long shot. Yeah, absolutely, because they definitely have more eyes on them, and it. I mean, this makes us look bad to any of our allies that are paying attention which i'm sure they are because we don't seem united and i mean i mean we haven't seemed united in a long time especially under the last presidency as well but this i feel i mean there were so many memes and stuff going around when trump was president as well and then this on top of it it we just look awful as a country right now to our other allies and it's making us look not as powerful we don't look like a world power because we don't have our stuff together internally yep. which is just uh putting us in a place of less security and more danger yep pettiness bitterness polarization all that fun stuff i'm pretty bummed out <laughs> you know what would make me feel better i'm also bummed out yeah Annie. you want to know what would make me feel better what would make us feel a better a music beat report by emma gart OMG. the Music yeah. social media manager here at WRHU. Emma, how are you this morning? I'm doing good. Thank you both for having me. I was a frequent listener. I'm excited to be on this morning's show. <laughs> All right. So let us know what you have for us with your music report. Sure. For this morning's music industry report, let's start out with an event I am particularly excited about. Just this past Monday, for the third year in a row, the Bud Light Music Festival will be taking place this Super Bowl weekend. The venue of this year's event, the Staples Center, well, now known as the Crypto.com Arena. The as Crypt. Of, yeah, the Crypt. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Only 15 miles from SoFi Stadium, where two of the best teams in the NFL will face off. This year's performers include Machine Gun Kelly, Green Day, Miley Cyrus, Blake Shelton, Gwen Stefani. And the 2020 event, which featured Guns N' Roses, DJ Khaled, and Maroon 5, took place in Miami. Lane Joyce, director of experiential marketing for Bud Light, made the following statement in a Polestar article this week. With this year's festival taking place in the iconic Staples Center, again, now Crypto.com Arena, we're excited about the lineup of musicians we have brought together across various genres. And can't wait for the people of Los Angeles even more fun to what is already to have even more fun to what is already set to be a big weekend overall in my opinion this is a strong way to increase fan engagement and excitement towards the super bowl um all artists on the lineup have played monumental roles in the music landscape this past year so fans are definitely in for a treat in other news, something I know I'm excited about as well is the return of Avril Lavigne. This past month, Lavigne signed a deal with Travis Barker's label DTA Records. The label, which is also home to pop punk rising star Jaden Hostler, came to fruition this past year. Lavigne had the following to say about working with Barker on her latest deal. We spent a lot of time writing songs and working on this record together, and signing to his record label, DTA, felt like a perfect home for me and my new music. To celebrate the news, she dropped her latest track, Bite Me, alongside a music video featuring Travis Barker himself. The video is directed by famous music director Hannah Lux Davis. You might know some of her work, including Thank You Next by Ariana Grande, Say So Doja Cat, and I Love Me Demi Lovato. Now, in terms of new music releases this week, coming out tomorrow, we have Adele dropping her first album in five years, 30. And on top of this, expect some new releases from Elbow, Holden, and a brand new album from Sting. As for recent releases from this past month that I highly recommend you check out, definitely take a listen to Oh Well by Christian French, Everyone's Pretentious and I'm Bored by Lauren Sanderson, An Evening with Silk Sonic, and of course, Red Taylor's Version. 
thank you guys <laughs> oh my gosh that was so so many th- wonderful things i am also very excited for avril lavigne obviously i'm a diehard fan but the question is is it if is it really avril lavigne or is it a clone that she was replaced with? Mm. Have you guys seen that conspiracy theory? I have. <laughs> I have not. You haven't? Danny. Okay. Well, the conspiracy theory, basically, to sum it up, is that Avril Lavigne was replaced by a clone. That's the whole thing. <laughs> wow. That's it. <laughs> so inventive. There's a lot of YouTube videos on that. Yeah, there's a lot of evidence, actually. So if you want to go check it out and educate yourself on the okay. situation. And also, Silk Sonic. I'm in love with them. And their album that they've released is really good. Uh, Skate is my favorite song on it. So you guys should listen to it. It's good. Definitely really good. Honestly, Mm -hmm. it's a perfect length album, too, for a debut album. It's only, I think it's 35 minutes. And I know for me, that's my commute to Hofstra. So it's like the perfect perfect timing. It's like a quick and easy and fun album. Yeah, I don't, I have wildly different, I have wild music tastes. I mean. Oh, are they wild? Yeah, they're all over the place. What is your music taste? Just everything. Okay. (laughs) My Spotify is just a hodgepodge of many different genres and i don't really listen to albums in totality say for okay. one exception that emma actually showed me the other day alec benjamin you can't not listen to a full alec benjamin album but it's interesting that you say that you don't listen to full albums i think that that's kind of the trend of music consumption these days is like especially with streaming platforms like if you go onto spotify you're going to hear um you know today's top hits and you're going to have all those songs but people don't always listen to the full album which i think makes it interesting and i think that that actually leads to a lot more artists being able to be seen but i'm just curious to know in the next couple of years if the album will still like be a thing or at least for smaller artists if they'll just stick to smaller like single scale releases yeah because i guess big artists i mean they're only known for a few songs especially newer bigger artists you know it's the, they have their top three whatever that people know and then it's the rest of like oh they also did these songs i mean that's kind of like oh it's like this album has no skips meaning no irrelevant songs you know to use the hip lingo that all the kids are saying these days (laughs) the only thing that danny thinks has no skips is the enchanted soundtrack all right can we we, another enchanted reference yeah Yeah, the show is just the enchanted show (laughs) we need a we need enchanted music in wrhu oh my gosh i think that adele's album is also going to have no skips Oh, 100%. oh, that one is being hype. Oh, yeah, that there's so much hype for that. I think she's ready to go. Are it's, you gonna listen to the whole thing? I don't really like Adele that much. Danny, uh, you I can't also admit that I also, on air. I also do not like Taylor Swift's music that much either. Oh, the Swifties are gonna come for you, Danny. Uh, well, I'm gonna br- come for bring you. them on with their torches and pitchforks. Um, but, a, but a ten minute version of All Too Well. I mean, come on, have you heard it? Did you listen to it? No. Danny. You watch the short film. You have to. I didn't watch the short film. You have to culture yourself. <laughs> okay. It's very important. I'm not saying I'm unwilling to listen. I'm just saying I've never been a fan of Swiss music in the past. Well, have you listened to it? Yes, I have. Of course I have. I grew to? up in the mid-2000s. Of course I did. I don't every song she's every big song she's done. I'm telling you. I've listened to I feel to like Taylor that's Swift. not true. Because it if is. it was, then you would like her music. <laughs> okay there's not one song or like one yeah, track that on. comes to mind that you really like no okay i feel like i'm being double teamed here okay. it's a lot <laughs> it's a lot for me okay fair fair but okay sorry i'm just i'm i really enjoy very very aggressive becca <laughs> i like it i'm sorry it's definitely good but you know for the super bowl um music festival i mean this is a super interesting lineup if you can see any of these artists if you had to choose one who would you choose green day I love Green Day. Solid choice. Miley Cyrus. 
also a solid choice. I'm in love with her. Oh, she's so good. <laughs> she's so good. She's doing like every festival this year too. I mean, she did Bottle Rock. She did Lollapalooza. She did Austin City Limits. I feel like she's going to have a crazy year and I'm really hoping for a tour next year. That's oh, the, that's that like a fingers so crossed. Sick. She did kind of hint at that at, I think, um, the Napa. She did a music festival in Napa and she like, kind of hinted at it. So fingers crossed. Fingers Emma, crossed. who would you want to see? Oh, that's so tough. Okay, so I probably would want to see Miley too. But I know yeah. Halsey's doing it, and I mean, I can't, you know, not want to see Halsey, so it, that would be a really tough thing. But probably Miley, because I, I haven't seen Miley do, like, a full set in maybe 10 or 15 years. Well, 10 years, but. <laughs> Did you go to, like, one of her younger concerts? Oh, yes. <gasps> I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm so jealous. I was obsessed with Han Montana, as was everyone. and I wasn't. Danny, I'm. <laughs> and you were a Disney kid, Danny. Not, not a Hannah. I was more of an Austin and Allie than Hannah Montana. Are you kid. literally kidding me? <laughs> I'm not. You're kidding. gonna choose Austin and Allie over. It was. Hannah it was Montana. my. It was my show. All right. One of my friends is going to a, to a concert where, Ross Lynch, and his brother's band will be performing. Because oh. used to be R Five, but they broke up, which I did not know that. And now it's just Ross and Rocky. I think his name is. So R Two. Yeah. No, they're um, actually they're called, called the, the Driver Era, I think. Oh, okay. Like that. But, like, I know what you mean. I actually didn't realize that R5 had broken up, and then maybe similarly I was like, oh, like, the two of them <laughs> There's just two of them now. <laughs> so I hear you. Where'd the rest of them go? Um, I can't believe that you would rather pick Austin and Allie over Hannah Montana. Such a Just a different era for yeah, you. Yeah, it is, but it's what I grew up with, all right? Okay, Sue okay, me. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to judge Sue you. Sue me. Hey, there you, go. <laughs> Sue me. you are judging me <laughs> no i'm not you're just no, looking to get back at me for me throwing you under the bus earlier stop oh snap <laughs> he did say sue me which is by another disney artist sabrina carpenter okay <laughs> 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 i had to throw that in there i'm sorry oh, no. Lo- love the reference <laughs> yeah well that was a lot of good music there i know i like halsey she's from jersey fun fact i have a shirt so I went to this camp, and I st- and it doesn't really matter. It's a long story, but the thing is, the shirt says Halsey on the back because our we were divided into groups, and I was in Halsey County. So when I went, whenever I wear that shirt, people are like, "Oh, do you like Halsey?" I'm like, "Why?" And they're like, "Oh, it says the, it says Halsey in big letters on the back of your <laughs> shirt." And I go, "Well, I do like Halsey, but that's not what the shirt means." They're like, "Oh, look at you, Halsey Stan." I'm like, "No, no, <laughs> like it's not, it's not that deep because it's named after a." famous general who mm-hmm. whatever just <laughs> just know that i often get mistaken for a halsey stan i feel like maybe you are a halsey stan yeah I'm not, but i do like her music though okay i love her collabs especially she always has good collabs i don't think i've really ever listened to her music before. Mm, you should you should rectify that oh, no she's <laughs> like if you listen to halsey I'll listen to taylor swift Okay, Deal? I feel like you should just listen to Taylor Swift, though. <laughs> oh, with no stipulations, <laughs> no strings yeah. attached? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. You should watch this short film. Okay. That's literally, it's literally an art piece because if you, like, she's she's a musical artist and now she's venturing in to all these different genres and she's melding her music with film and it's so beautiful. Okay, I appreciate, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to sully that. I'm just saying it's not really my thing. All right. I think it's great. I think you're missing out. I had this whole. But I respect you. Who I had this whole argument with some. I had this whole debate with somebody else, and I'm not. I'm too tired to have. Yeah, it you're again. gonna de- be debating it with everyone. Is the thing. Yeah, you know, it's just a full time <laughs> job. 
That and being a Lakers fan here. Being a Swifty hater. Being a Swifty hater and a Laker lover is tough. (laughs) That is really rough. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I know. Yeah, especially since they lost last night. Giannis had 47 points. But we're going to move on for that. (laughs) We have one more story to get to. And it's about singles in America who want emotional maturity. So COVID has definitely changed the dating scene, reset the dating scene. And it's making young single people pickier when selecting a partner. In a survey of over 5,000, the overwhelming consensus is that casual relationships are going the way of the dodo. A staggering, thought that was funny, Becca. I see you laughing. (laughs) Yeah, I did. A staggering 62% of respondents said they want a, quote, more meaningful, committed relationship. 65% of respondents, almost two-thirds, say they want a relationship in 2022. So it is cuffing season, folks. 86% 86% of respondents want financial stability in a partner. Interestingly, the desire for marriage has skyrocketed from just under 60% pre-pandemic to more than 76% now. So it just also might be ring season, folks. So um, what are your reactions to this, guys? Because it was a weird read. I don't know if you got a chance to look over the whole thing. Yeah, I... Okay, Danny, I know that you said that you're not surprised by this, but I am surprised by this. And I also feel like a lot of these people are liars because I think they're, I think people say that they want relationships, but then it takes so much time and it takes a lot of effort and a lot of, I mean, I guess not a lot of money, but it takes some money, especially if you're talking about buying a ring or something like that. <laughs> um, so I feel like maybe these people are, just jumping in and saying like, yeah, this is what I want. I want a more meaningful, committed relationship. But I I feel like maybe maybe uh, if they got into that kind of relationship, they would be like, nah. What do you think, Emma? No, I'm kind of hearing what you say, Becca. I mean, I hear both sides. Like, I think that people are excited, especially just with, you know, um, us moving forward within the pandemic and being able to be together again in, you know, ways that we used to be. I think that it allows for people to, um, you know, want to, meet other people because it's like oh my gosh like social interaction but at the (laughs) same time um i hear what you're saying in terms of like sometimes you know it's one thing to say something and it's one thing to do something i i I don't know i mean the marriage thing definitely shocked me um because i thought you know we've always heard oh marriage is on the way out like people aren't getting married anymore people are divorcing each other a lot like i don't know why you're doing this voice when i mock other people (laughs) but um that definitely shocked me but in terms of people wanting more meaningful relationship i think the pandemic was sort of a wake-up call a morning wake-up call if you will (laughs) where it was um i'm just on a roll today it was like oh like this casual thing i'm doing it doesn't you know doesn't hit the same for me anymore i want someone who is there for me through thick and thin you know like who's actually invested in this like i am and i think that was why that respond the response rate was so high now maybe some people are to use another colloquial term capping in this survey (laughs) um some of it could be cap but i think a lot of it is true and i think a lot of people wanting a relationship is also true and i think a lot of people wanting financial stability is also true because you don't want somebody who's not good with money so aside from the marriage angle which i thought was very surprising because i guess the one thing is like oh like you can actually get married quote unquote again in a public setting so people are like oh let's go get let's let's tie the knot um i don't think this is much of a shock in terms of just people wanting to have a good committed relationship and i think this goes beyond romantic relationships it goes into just everyday relationships you want people who you have an actual connection with you want to you know Mm -hmm. build something 
I just want to do something for whatever for the memes. I don't know. I okay. I think that the pandemic really messed with people's minds a lot, and I think that now everyone is just really hungry for, uh, like attention and for affection and for just like having someone there with you. Because especially if you were alone during the pandemic, or a lot of people had to do long distance or any of that sort of stuff. Um, or maybe somebody went through a bad breakup during the pandemic because of not being able to see each other, all sorts of different things. I feel like now that we're coming out of that, more people are just like really craving having that. So they think that this is the solution to that, but I I don't know. I, I just have to disagree with you, Danny. I really don't think that, especially the marriage, like I would absolutely agree that less people are getting married, less people that I know are interested in getting married, I feel like it's definitely our age group of people, but even like a little bit older than us, I feel are a little less desired to get married. Uh, so I think maybe this is like how you get baby fever. I don't know if you guys have heard that term. This is like relationship fever, but what it goes baby, away. Baby fever. You don't know what baby fever <laughs> no. is? It's like wanting a child, but only for like a little while and then you like get over it. Oh, so it's like when you go to Target and you go to the kids section <laughs> and you like look at the cute little baby clothes and you're like, oh, I want a baby. And then you like think about it and then you're like, no, I don't want a baby. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I feel like a lot of women experience that more so, I assume. I can, I'm going to have to, don't know what I'm going to have to recuse myself from saying <laughs> I experienced that. But. but you can also say that about like, even you know you go to a puppy you go see like go to a yeah. puppy store and you're like oh that's a really cute dog Good maybe comparison. i want a dog and then like <laughs> i'm sure you you can relate to that one no oh yeah you just want something because like in the moment you're like oh i want this really badly and then you're like oh like all the things i have to do to get it or yeah you think about all like the work the that you have to put in yeah. the responsibilities and and it looks good on the like storefront yeah you think that you want it because it's it's cute and it's fun Whenever but. my mom sees like a cute baby, she goes, oh, they're so cute. I want a baby. <laughs> I'm like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> hello, oh I'm right gosh. here. I'm still your number one baby. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're a little, I think you're a little grown up, Danny. I, I know. To break it to you. I know. I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> just trying, to, trying to just get the laughs going. <laughs> Although, when do you stop laughing on the show, Becca? Never. Always giggling. I'm sorry that I'm a happy person. No, uh, no I bring not, my personality. No, you have a problem. I'm, I'm not saying that's bad. It's great. That's great. I'm gonna hold in my laugh now for the rest, of the <laughs> remaining. Oh, nine I made you self. I made you self-conscious. Oh, I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I couldn't hold it in anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Laughter is good. Laughter is not yeah, a bad exactly. thing. Laughter is the best medicine. And you want see, you want somebody who can make you laugh. Maybe that's the whole point, right? Yeah, maybe these people just need more friends. Yeah, that too. I think that's what they need. Yeah, because my <laughs> social circle, I mean, it was never that big, but the pandemic really made it bare bones. Mm -hmm. I only hung out with three people. Yeah, well, you were time. being responsible. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So good for you, Danny. Yeah, I'm responsible. <laughs> for having three friends and hanging out with them. Yeah. So. But I have to say, you know, I'm... I am not aligning with these with these responders. I I mean, I've said this already like three times, but I just feel very strongly that they're lying to me. Bunch of liars. Yeah, that's how I feel. 
All right. Well, <laughs> you, I think that's a great place to end it. They're all lying. They're all lying. lying. All right. Yes. Well, we still have some time. So what are you guys doing this weekend? Because I know that's coming up soon. Oh, my soon. gosh. Don't bring this weekend up to me. I'm so stressed out, Danny. You don't understand because you're not a senior. <laughs> I know. I'm just. I'm Wait, just, what happened? I'm a senior, too. So I hear you. No, I'm just <laughs> stressed out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. I'm like, I'm applying to, um internship slash jobs and uh obviously like we've all got our finals coming up and stuff and i'm doing friends giving this weekend Ooh. so i have to cook stuff there's just too much stuff going on you know what i mean I, are you guys I, doing friends giving at all my no. friends want to do it and i'm like oh we should do it but i'm like when are, i'm like in the same boat i'm like i am so busy when are we going yeah. to do this <laughs> Yeah, guys, don't really do that. As Why? I don't Change know. the narrative. You don't Go like do it. You know what? Food. Here, my Friendsgiving and my Christmas gift to my friends is going to see Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh that's going to be our big... That's your Friendsgiving. <laughs> that's going to be our friends moment because one of our friends, he's been... We haven't seen him in a year. And ever since the pandemic started, we really, we've only seen him like twice. So that's going to be the big... Because what we always used to do before the pandemic was to go see movies together. And then that obviously came to an end for mm-hmm. a while. So now that's going to be the big triumphant return to the cinema to see <laughs> probably the movie event of the decade honestly yeah that'll be nice i think yeah to so, like, but i don't you know. yeah but i don't do friendsgiving nah so <laughs> i feel like are you miss, you're missing out okay maybe i am but <laughs> <laughs> you should you should initiate the friendsgiving with your friends change the narrative change the narrative, change the narrative. yeah men can do friendsgiving i'm not something i'm opposed i'm just that we don't do it you should. I feel like it's a newer thing, though, because I, I never really heard about Friendsgiving until maybe the past, like, five or ten years. I just keep seeing it. Yeah, I would definitely say, like, five years, but also, like, ten years ago, I was 11. Okay, so I wasn't really <laughs> doing Friendsgiving at 11 because <laughs> I was doing, like, my family Thanksgiving. I didn't really start doing, f- like, a Friendsgiving until I moved up here because I'm far away from my family and I don't go home for Thanksgiving because not that big of a holiday in, in my family so i started being up here with my friends and i really like to cook for thanksgiving i really like to make more i guess like southern food since i'm from tennessee if anyone was unaware of that and i like to make chess pie which i don't know if you guys know what, what that is what is that <laughs> do you guys know what that is no everyone <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. Everyone that I have mentioned chess pie to is like, what is that? And it really is disappointing to me that you guys don't know what it is because you're missing out. I'm going to make I'm going to make a chess pie for my friends giving among a few other things. It's like a it's like a custard pie, but it's like a creme creme brulee kind of thing. But there's a really funny story of why it's called chess pie. Do you guys want to hear? Yes. Okay. so since it's a southern dish, the person that made it, um, somebody asked them what kind of pie is this and they said it's just pie but the way they said it with their southern accent mm. it sounded like chess instead of just because that's how southern accents are and now it's called chess pie but it's just pie it's just pie <laughs> just pie <laughs> just pie um it's really good maybe i'll bring you a piece danny yeah, if there's be, any left that'd be great <laughs> Um, but I'm also making cornbread and I'm making sweet potato casserole and I'm making, uh, 
green beans. Stop making me hungry. Jeez. <laughs> Becca the chef. Chef Becca. I really like Thanksgiving. I'm impressed. I really love Thanksgiving, you guys. It's one of my favorite holidays. Just because, I mean, obviously not the background of Thanksgiving, but like, I like. The sentiment. Yes. I just like to cook and I like to eat food. Yeah. Sure and that's, that's, the, really that's the quintessential cooking yeah. and eating holiday. Definitely. Exactly. You what want are you going to do for Thanksgiving, guys? I will be, I'm pretty sure I'm going to my aunt's house, but I'm not sure because everything, at least um, this year, is very up in the air. I feel like mm-hmm. one minute my mom's like, oh, we're going here. And the next minute we're going there. <laughs> I just, I, as long as I'm with my family, I'm just, I'm happy with that. Um, I don't know. I love Thanksgiving. I love the parade. I love, again, Thanksgiving food. So yeah. just kind of going with it. What about I'm you, go- Danny? I'm going home just to my house, just chilling with the family. <laughs> well, you live so close, so that's not that bad of a distance. Yeah. You can, like, yeah. drive there. Yeah, so it's longer than you think. How long is the drive? Hour and a half, but that is not longer than what I thought. It's <laughs> it feels like an eternity. Yeah, but New Jersey traffic. Yeah, not only no, not New Jersey traffic. It's the Belt Parkway. It's the worst. I don't know what that is. Don't you are very lucky. You're very lucky. <laughs> very it's, lucky. it's the most stop and go road in America. Well, I hope you're not going to drive on Thanksgiving Day. I'm not. I feel like that's going to have a lot of traffic. I'm driving home on Tuesday night. That is the best time to do yeah, it. Yeah, because I can't Wednesday. So, yeah. Wow, you got the whole thing prepped. Are you going to actually help? Are you the kind of kid that helps your parent in the kitchen while they're cooking Thanksgiving? Because I have three younger brothers, and they never helped Thanksgiving ever. They sat in the living room, and it just annoyed the fire out of me. So you better be helping. Annoyed the fire out of you. Yes. That's a new phrase. But I think we talked about this. I never actually... I. I don't help my mom because I don't want to disturb a master work. Oh, you know? my God. Excuses, excuses. Yeah. Danny. So, so plus, like, you know, why would I why would I ruin it? Right. <laughs> why would <laughs> you I could be learning? You could be learning all of your, all you know, of your mom's she's just secrets. such a good cook that I can't understand begin to understand how she does. I feel it. like these are just excuses for why no, you don't want to help. I'm just telling you how good a cook my mom is. <laughs> I believe that. But. You should help her. <laughs> she's 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 good. She's good. I'll be asleep. <laughs> I'll be asleep. But I Thanksgiving don't... used to. St- okay, the reason that I'm so passionate about this is because Thanksgiving used to stress my mom out. So I'm kind of glad I'm not going to be there this year. Yeah. To see that stress. Well, we're we're ending right on the dot. So again, thank you so much, Emma Gart, for coming on the show. Thank you always to Becca Williams for being a wonderful co-host, even though I bully her a lot. I'm sorry, and. <laughs> This is Danny DiCrescenzo signing off. This is our last November show. So from the Thursday crew, have a wonderful Thanksgiving if you celebrate. And, of course, as Drake always says, make sure the Young Money ship is never sinking. We will see you in December.